Hey everybody, thanks for checking out this week's episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. I'm Josh Hyam. As always, feel free to subscribe to the show on iTunes or on SoundCloud and get it automatically. You can catch the show on the Stitcher app as well if you use that. Like the podcast on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MyFirstSketch. Email me at Josh at MyFirstSketch.com. Follow me on Twitter at MyFirstSketch. And I put all the videos that we talk about on the show on MyFirstSketch.com. So if you're like, hey, what is he talking about? Just go there. Chances are you can see for yourself. Let's start off with some self-promotion. This Thursday, October 5th at 9 p.m., I will be performing with a crew of people that were randomly assigned together in Sync or Sketch at Philly Improv Theater. We performed together for the first time last month, and by result of a tie, we are doing it again. So come and see that. Then, I have to remind everyone that Philly Sketch Fest is returning with Dirtiest Sketch in Philadelphia on October 20th at the Playground at the Adrian. It's a late show, 10 p.m. So come and see your favorite sketch comedians in Philly getting gross and awful and making me cringe. All right, now that that's all taken care of, today's guest is Ian Vaflor, formerly a castmate and writing partner of mine in Judo Range, and he now works with the pro wrestling company Kaiju Big Battle. If you've never heard of Kaiju Big Battle, it is pro wrestling meets monster movie, and we'll tell you more about it and some exciting stuff for Kaiju's future as we chat. His first sketch is called Cop and B. Ian in a deep voice plays the chief, and then Ian with a nasal voice plays Lester. I give whatever stage directions you need and play Ramirez. So let's go to the sketch. Interior Police Chief's Office. Behind the desk sits the chief, Marcus Carter. Papers cover his desk and he's holding his head. Sitting near the desk is Mark Lester. He looks nervous. The door opens and police officer Jim Ramirez enters. Also, a bee flies in. You wanted to see me, chief? Yeah, Ramirez. Thanks for coming in. I'm assigning you a new partner. Mark Lester, this is Jim Ramirez. No offense, chief, but I already have a partner. That bee is not your partner. You signed us together. Flashback. Interior Chief's office, six weeks earlier. The Chief is wearing different clothes, and he's having a fierce argument with Ramirez. There's also a bee flying around. I've lost three partners, Chief, and maybe you should let me work alone. You'll work with whoever I tell you to work with. I don't care if it's the greenest rookie or the oldest veteran. You'll do as I say. From now on, Chief Marcus Carter is a lord almighty as far as you're concerned. The Chief waves a bee away from his face. God damn it, bee! I wanted to make this bee your partner, I could. Do you hear what I'm saying? A bee? My partner? Say yes and get out of my office. Flashback over. Back to the present. That was a hypothetical situation. I would never make a bee your partner. I used to feel the same way, Chief. But after working on a few cases together and seeing this bee in action, I've changed my mind. He's the best damn partner I've ever had. This bee is not on the force. You can't kick him off the force. I'm not. He was never on the force. He's a bee. Sure, he doesn't play by your rules, but he gets the job done. There should be enough for a number counters in City Hall. The only job he gets done is collecting pollen and nectar. You're scared of him, aren't you? Yes, but only because I'm allergic to bees. Come on, Chief. This bee helped me catch more heart. How? He led me to the body in the Bay Street greenhouse. Are you sure he wasn't attracted to the greenhouse by the flowers? I'm not sure of his methods, but I'm sure of his results. Uh... Lester stands up. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. Chief and Ramirez look at Lester. Uh, how long has that bee been your partner? Six weeks today. Um, does anybody know how long the lifespan is of a honeybee? Everyone stares at each other. The bee falls. No! Ramirez picks up the bee. Damn it! He was too young! The chief shrugs. He puts his hand on Ramirez's shoulder. I'm, I'm sorry, Ramirez. Ramirez looks at the chief. He was a good cop. Thanks, chief. It's good to hear you say that. I know you and the bee never saw an odd eye. Anyway, Lester here will be your new partner. You got big shoes to fill. Lester looks at the chief, who simply sits back down and covers his head in, with his hands. I'll do my best. You remind me a little bit of the bee. 
Ramirez and Lester start to head out. Ramirez pulls something out of his pocket. I'll drive. You ride in this piece of honeycomb. Hey, Ian. Hey, Josh. So, a cop with that's partners with a B. Yes. Where does this come from? What's this idea? Like, uh, growing up watching a lot of Starsky and Hutch, um, I think it, this was like one of the earliest. This was actually probably one of the first sketches I ever wrote. I hope so, because it's my first sketch. Yeah, yeah. It's a, I, I was really like <laughs> trying to go dig through the annals of Gmail. And just yeah, because this was a forwarded message that I yeah yeah it was a forwarded message from like 2011, and I remember writing the the sketch itself probably like 2006 or 2007. It was right around the time I was just doing like finishing up doing like sketch workshops and stuff at UCB. But like, mm-hmm. uh, it became like a cop and something is one of the <laughs> dumbest. Which <tropes. laughs> what uh, when I when I got into doing stuff in the city. I immediately have a rule of no cops. <laughs> like, like after I did the class show with uh, Kevin Allison in, in like December of t- 2011, and I think there was like 12 sketches on that bill, and five of them had a cop one way or another. <laughs> so immediately after that, I was like, I will never write a cop sketch ever in my life. I think I went like full force into cop sketches. <laughs> when we were in judo range, I think I wrote I wrote that one where it was intentionally like a cop kept showing up <laughs> in, every, in every beat. Alright, so all right, this is what I know about you. Uh, trained on the cello. Yeah. And that was your, like your college That was music. That's what I thought I was going to do for right. a yeah, yeah. So where does comedy come? Um, I think it was pretty much like I was looking for something to do that wasn't so I, was, I lived in New York for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a DJ there. I worked as a DJ on the side. Like, it's like a hobby. And I just got burned out. And I was still looking for something to do. Um, I always liked going to sketch comedy. Like, yeah. like ske- TV sketch comedy. You know, right. like, we all cut our teeth on that. Like, what were you watching? What, what, what oh, was man. your... Growing up, dude. Yeah. Um, probably some of my earliest memories are, are watching old late night bits with my dad and also Saturday Night Live. Like the Letterman late nights? Yeah. So, okay. so like those, so I didn't really understand like anything that was going on with the guests, but the right. things that always stuck out were all those like bits. Yeah. Like the old Robert Schmeigel bits and everything. Mm-hmm. And like just the really weird things like the, um, I, very few people remember but for some reason he used to have this recurring bit with a, a fountain that shot wine everywhere. On Letterman? Yeah. Okay. I was, I mean, I was like super little, but that was like one of the earliest memories. But then on top of that, CBS late nights, because I didn't have cable growing up. Yeah, uh, Would neither. show Kids in the Hall. Okay. Just like, just would just show long blocks of Kids in the Hall. So I used to set my VCR timer. Okay. Just tape that. And then like, that w- that was a big part. And then also, even before that, um, man, it's crazy, like how much TV. This is where cop, all my cop sketches come from, right. just watching TV. Uh, uh, like Benny Hill and Bondi Python on public television right were the two other things because that was like the only thing I, I wasn't allowed to watch anything on like standard channels so it was like uhf channels right right They're and, like uh, and yeah. the, the the idea of monty python being on pbs comes up a lot because it's it's everyone's introduction to monty python here in america yeah, yeah. but you always think of pbs as like the safe choice yep. nothing can go wrong and then this wildly subversive <laughs> monty python shows up on pbs like there's there's a, a an odd, um, I don't know, like yeah, like it's just so so bizarre that Monty Python came to PBS, at least in my like, because yeah. PBS to me was like you had the whole block of children's things and then educational stuff like Nova and and, and then Monty Python and shows Monty Python, like yeah, yeah it, it was Which very is bizarre to me, very bad for like a five to six year old's brain because to me I'm like oh it's cartoons. I'm watching right. cartoons. Right, because there's interstitials. All, like, I don't think I was introduced to Monty Python until teenage years, and I didn't get it. Yeah. Like, it wasn't funny to me. Like, it was weird. Like, I just, it wasn't a thing until a few, like, you know, 18 years old. That's when, when I it really clicked on me and, like, really. Yeah, because, like, I knew it was a thing, and I remember watching, whole, like, I had a VHS copy of the Holy Grail when I was maybe, like, 12 or 13, and, like, that's easy enough for a young yeah. kid to understand. But I just knew that it was like, oh, the guys who made this thing that I used to watch yeah. when I was little, and I, mean, I would still watch. I'm like, I don't quite get it because yeah. it's too like, 
even, like, even the first time I saw Holy Grail, I didn't understand it. Like yeah. the ending of it, I was like, "Wait, what? No!" <laughs> like, like how many other comedy people were like, "That ending's garbage." Like, and you know, now I look back and fifteen-year-old Josh was dumb, and eighteen-year-old Josh I got smartened up to it. It's, it's much like, better. Like all the like kids in the hall, Monty Python are probably my two biggest influences. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to like The State a lot, mm-hmm. obviously, and then uh, there was that other show with a. Uh, uh, Julie Brown and like Jennifer Aniston. Do you remember? Yeah, it? yeah. I I I know it exists. Wayne I don't Knight think was on it. Like, I'm I used trying to, watch to think it all of the time. was it the Edge? I think that's what it was called. Or yeah, it was something the Edge, the Wall, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely undescript and nondescript. Yeah. Um, I ask you mentioned Saturday Night Live favorite Saturday Night Live cast member. Let's get it out of the way. Oh God, I ask everyone this question. Like. Like, Ever uh, this dude, this is really tough. I was actually having a, a conversation with coworkers about this, but I'd have I'm gonna have to say uh, Keenan Thompson. Really? He's think about it like I hands down, man. Like I did, I thought about. It, I was like, oh my gosh, he's been on that show forever. And he like yeah. I was thinking about this other. I I think he overtakes Daryl Hammond if he stays on this year. Yeah. I, I think, think he becomes the longest tenured cast member. Period. But then he's been on the show for a third of its existence. Yeah. That's bananas to me. It's, like, it's really weird because I think I think what it comes down to is like when he showed up, then there was like a definite shift on like the type of writing, the casting and the writing. Okay. Uh, uh, it was it like pr- I think it like predated right before like they were all the UCB people started showing up. But right. a lot of his sensibility like fits in line with that. I mean, like I love, you know, like all the Dana Carvey, John Lovitz. Yeah. You know, like, like, like the core 90s cast. I, I, I love them to death. But when I think about, like, who's important to me for a lot of reasons, like a person of color, somebody who brings, like, a little bit of, sure. like, like his, his sketches are absurd. Yeah. They're insane. Like, that's definitely There's, what I love. I forget there was a, an article about him a couple, like, a year ago or so, because they were talking about, like, him entering his 14th year or whatever it happened to be. Yeah. And they were talking about, like, he could be the straight man in the sketch mm-hmm. and still get laughs. Like... You know, there's always a cut to his reaction. There's always, yeah. There's always some like look of incredulous or like disgust that he'll do in everything. Like the one I can think of right off the top of my head is um, Kate McKinnon does the barfly <laughs> yeah. sketch, and she did it like the first time I saw. It, I think it was Louis C.K. was the the guy where yeah. they like get amorous and like just gross, and it just go always goes back to him like you know like. Oh. <laughs> Or like this, Nat, like you know, and he's gonna get the laugh even though those two are doing the the funny bits. Yeah, he's but it still doesn't like detract. He like doesn't detract from the bit. It, no, like, it adds to it. He plays to the camera as they say. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. He's not um, mugging like Milton Berle is. Yeah, he's like Jimmy, actually truly Jimmy reacting. Fallon. Like yeah, like Jimmy Fallon would. Yeah, have, like and I love Jimmy Fallon like SNL stuff too. But it's like you're obviously a dude doing a sketch. You're not like yeah, he, immersed in this. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So you mentioned New York city. You mentioned, all right. So UCB is that, is that your introduction to, yeah. Like to formal training yeah. more or less. Yeah. Do yeah. you remember what, what all do you do at UCB? Like what all training uh, stuff do you do? I did like all the improv stuff. And then I took a lot of sketch intensives when I could. Do you remember your in- instructors? Uh, and mostly Shannon O'Neill. Okay. And I remember, I knew, th- I knew that <laughs> she was like, you have to stop taking classes with me because <laughs> <laughs> you were doing exactly like me. You're like uh, Zach Woods was also one of my instructors. Um, oh, fancy! Um, and it was crazy too because like we're from kind of the same town. Oh yeah. His, his older brother has like mutual friends with some of my friends. Okay. And that was just kind of like, oh yeah, like we're from the same part of town. So um, that is weird. That was like a that was more than a decade ago when I think about it now. Yeah. Like the, this sketch is, I pr- like I said, it's probably like 2006, 2007. Wow. Um, yeah. Um. <laughs> So Shannon O'Neill, who now is most known for Gethard Show, Gethard Show, yeah, I think she's she's some kind of honcho. She's one of the creative directors, I think. Yeah, I, I I I wasn't sure if it was like creative director or technical or the the schooling director, the principal of the school. Like I don't know. Yeah, I know she's got some heavy title up there at UCB. Like, yeah. um, I'm proud. She was awesome. I, yeah, like. So you do the sketch workshop. You do improv up there. I moved back here. What? What? First off, what? That I mean, you're living in New York, and UCB is probably like at its initial, like initial rise. How do you find out about it? 
while you're living in New York. Oh, I had a really, uh, a really good friend of mine, uh, Diane Fornbacher, had, I went to her level two class graduation yeah. show, and she just said, you should do this. Okay, like, so it was through a friend. Yeah, yeah. Okay. She literally was just like, you need this in your life. You should go do this. And it was the weirdest, strange set of coincidences because I, uh, she's like, this is my friend Shannon. Email her. See if you can get into her class because it was like actually after the cutoff. Mm-hmm. And then Shannon was like, yeah, just show up and pay and I'll squeeze you in. Yeah. So I walk in the office and then uh, my f- college friend's girlfriend was the office manager at the time. Um, and I feel really bad for <laughs> forgetting her name because she's like, oh, Eliza Skinner. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know yeah. that name. Yeah, yeah. Like she, she's a... Uh, She's like, she was like, oh, hey, because I hadn't seen her since like we were doing radio show in college. She goes, what the hell are you doing here? I was like, I'm going to do makeup ups, you know? And then, yeah, I'm just throwing names on the floor all over the place because she's like, yeah, give your check to that guy over there who is none other than Chris Gethard, who was also one of the office guys. We'll pick those right, pick back, those right up back up. Put them on the table. Put them back on the table. Um, but yeah, it's like a, a fun, strange set of coincidences. You're like, uh, like everything's kind of. I remember Eliza from doing, uh, my, my friend did a, uh, a comedy game show, radio show mm-hmm. at JMU. Um, so that's like, we, we weren't like good buds or anything like that, but it was like, oh, here's a face I haven't seen in like eight years or something like that. JMU, so, go Dukes, you yeah, know? Like, yeah. Uh, all right. So you do all the classes at UCB. You move back to Philadelphia. What are you doing in Philadelphia? Uh, working a sales job and still DJing, but then still being like, I still want to do comedy stuff. Mm-hmm. I had done a couple shows at Bucks County Community College like short form improv stuff and some sketch okay. stuff with some friends I grew up with. And that was fun. And I really scratched another. How does, how, how does that come about? I think they were like friends with Bill McLaughlin and then he had a couple fundraisers. Okay. And it was, it was kind of funny. Cause like, I remember just my training at the time clashing with like whatever they were learning at Bucks. And I remember telling Shannon, like, yeah, I did a bunch of short form shows. And she's like, what the fuck? I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. You can, girl. I don't really <laughs> she's care. She's like, what the fuck? You know? <laughs> But I remember, like, like still, you know, like, we had fun, mm-hmm. and it was just a matter of, you know, they were married and had kids and stuff like that, and I just couldn't really find anybody who, uh, like, it took a while for me to find people that mm-hmm. I could start performing with. Um, and then my friend Dom, who's out now out in Hollywood, he's, like, developing shows for, like, Cartoon Network and stuff, like, he and I were just, like, we should just start writing together, but still, like, we didn't have a place to do stuff. Right, and that's Dom Achidi. Yeah, Dom Achidi. Um, and Fit, I think, was still... In it's like super infancy. Yeah, because there was a time, and you know, like even going back to when, <laughs> I just noticed that your inhaler is on the table. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, even back in the time where Judo Range was doing shows, yeah, Fit was only two weeks, and it wasn't even like full weeks. It was yeah, like it was just two weeks, four four nights, two weeks a month, like yeah, and that was it. At the at the shoe band. And at that point, like, it still felt like, oh, yeah, now we're, now yeah. this is a community. Before that, like, you know, there were just, Fit was a, a random show, mm-hmm. and then it graduated to a week at another spot, and then the two weeks at shoe band yeah. slowly built up to Adrian. A buddy of mine came in to do an improv workshop, uh, Ben Ramaka did, and uh, I remember just, like, jaw jacking with him afterwards. Mm-hmm. He's just like, yeah, man, like, it's good to see you here. And he's just like, I hope this really blows up into something. You know, he's like, there's, there's a lot of good stuff here, kind of beginning mm-hmm. um and it's kind of cool to see where it is now like i don't have a whole lot of I, my very dubious free time yeah <laughs> it's like it's good to see i like i like seeing posts and i try to get out every once in a while to go to shows so um i talked to steve swan a couple of weeks ago and your name came up with bear hug yeah yeah so is that like your first i think that was so that was dom steve becca traben jason uh grimley dan mcleese and mm-hmm. myself okay we're like the first iteration of it and it was like, uh, I was that was a lot of fun. It was like my first experience writing with a group of people at different skill levels. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'd like learn to kind of like temper versus like going through like a structured system where we're like we're all like sketch one hundred and one, and we all have to like learn. So there were a, co- a lot of times like pitching ideas and things like that, and like working with people. Like we didn't see eye to eye a lot of times, but it was never like right. Like, there, yeah, there's a difference between you know, going through the class at system and then when you're working with a group of peers and banding back, you know, fighting back and forth about stuff, like there's a different dynamic to that for sure. Um, And then how do you get involved with judo range? I keep looking for the email. Yeah. The, you know, the invitation. I I, Dude, I think it was just really organic of all of us just hanging out and then, 
starting to well, I, <laughs> If I remember correctly, I, there was a mass email that uh, Matt J sent. I think it was Matt J sent out saying, hey, I want to pursue this with you people. Let's meet somewhere and hang out. Like, I think it was actually like which, a Facebook message or something. Or, okay, yeah. so maybe that's why I haven't yeah. found the email. Um, because I, was, I took that show class with Kevin Allison and yeah. uh, Coletta, Chris Coletta, Mike Dieva, Matt J were were all in that class, and yeah. we became four of the members of Judo Range. Uh, I think the first time we met was at your apartment. Yeah, uh, and I forget all what happened. Like, because I think there initially there's like ten, there and then it, of us. and then it whittled down to like seven. Yeah, and then we added Blythe at a certain point. And then that became that became like a core. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, when I think about it, yeah, there were a lot of people. I think so. I was writing and performing. I think I was performing more with Bear Hug than writing, mm-hmm. which kind of like it got, it got to the point where it's like everybody has their own specific voice, mm-hmm. and I, and I think that was like it was just like yeah, I love you guys. I, my voice doesn't really fit right. with the group, um, and I think it was because of, like they were all coming up writing together mm-hmm. from like fit sketch stuff or whatever. Um, and I already had a lot of like my own kind yeah. of like tempo. Um, so then my friend Devant and I were doing a lot of shows together. Devant, who was our technical director in Judo Range. Yeah, and then sometimes performer. Which is first off, every sketch, every sketch group should have a tech director. Like, <laughs> yeah. One thing I learned from Judo Range was have someone that knows what they're doing on that on that end. Yeah. Like for sure. He's one of the best dudes for that. And yeah. He, yeah. He was like, into, I remember for a while, like he was being like tapped to do other shows, and he's like, yeah. Nah, I don't want to do it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I definitely remember him being like asked a couple of times, and he's like, No, I'm, I'm, these guys, I'm with these guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, which he, is great that we were able to have like a territorial thing <laughs> about our cool tech director. Like, yeah, I think that's like because he and I would just we would travel a lot because we were both DJed, mm-hmm. and a lot of the bits that we wrote, like for Junior Barnes, which was the, the, our kind of like vaudeville thing. Okay. We're just based, we're just, we have a definite cadence to how we talk to each other and mm. like our wordplay. And that's basically what all those were. And I was actually thinking about bringing a couple of those sketches, but they're like out of context. We would always write stuff specifically for like yeah. a show uh, when Meg still did her thing. Like we would come up with all these bits to just kind of like play her as like the host the, and right, just constantly right, right, right. frustrating Meg. Yeah. Um, I think there was one where it was like, right after Halloween and and he's like hey I got this really great robot I invented that like detects candy <laughs> it's just me in a box because <laughs> like, I think even I think I'm, I'm the same way where the first couple times I did like sketch up or whatever in town I was very local about certain things like yeah uh, the, the first time I did I did sketch up was a character that I still love it's a pastor character who bought the theater but are st- but it's still gonna allow you guys to do your makeup ops. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Uh, and I wrote the second time I did it, I specifically said that uh, Brian Craig was like stuck in the toilet for a week <laughs> or something, because like he got sick on something. And I like and well, it was it was the name didn't matter. I just it had to be someone in the room. Yeah. So like I was scanning. I was like, all right, let's do Brian Craig. I don't know him well. Let's I make mean, fun of him. We, we did write a sketch where it was all of us selling bootleg merchandise to yeah. raise money for the theater. Yeah, that was, yeah. I think that was one of the um like uh our theme show endeavors was yeah, just yeah. like because our theme shows were never actual sketches. It was like yeah. bits like hey Steve like because when we were doing theme show uh Steve Swan and Pat Foy were the hosts. And we're like, hey, can you do this with us? Like, yeah. <laughs> and and Stu's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, <laughs> so, um, all right. So our time in judo range together, we lasted about nine months. Yeah, it was. Yeah. But we we were really busy, and uh, maybe not prolific. Yeah. But we did a ton of work in those nine months. Yeah, I feel I, it really felt like two years. But then yeah. I looked at the time, the timestamps of all the sketches that we were going back yeah. and forth on, and it's like a large volume it, of stuff. It was like December <laughs> to. 2011 to yeah. we'll say november we'll say september but we did the last show was in november because yeah. you guys did Sketchfest without me um were you in that i was not because I, I, I was on vacation oh, i had scheduled a vacation yeah, 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 and yeah. you guys so you guys did this show without me yeah. uh but all right time of judo range yeah I love what are it. your thoughts um i love it again thoughts. It's like bring them up working with a group dynamic again in this case it's people because i'm an old man uh, you I'm were a, considerably older than I, most I of am, us. Uh, I'm like Master Roshi, even though I look freaking fantastic. Um, 
Uh, but I think it's like, for me personally, it was just working with a dynamic of people, uh, different levels of maturity, and then also different expectations were set. Mm. Everybody had their own goals. I think Devon and myself were kind of the same mind, like, let's have as much fun as possible doing okay. this. Um, and I, I thought it was, like, the thing that was, I'd have to say the only frustrating thing and the only challenge was scheduling. Because, yeah. uh, because at the time, the theater was also, like, doing a whole bunch of stuff, so everybody wanted to be involved in everything. Yeah. Um, so that caused a lot of conflicts, and then also, like, who do you, who are you running for, you know? Like, like what's the voice? Mm. Um, I think a lot of it, we had, like, we, Judah Range I liked a lot because we have very high energy, but also, like, pop culture-y sketches. Yeah, we were branded as, like, and I don't understand this branding, because I don't, it, it fit for a bunch of the people in the group, but not, yeah. it didn't fit for me, of, like, we were the nerd yeah. sketch comedy and I'm just like, guys, I'm I'm not a nerd. <laughs> you're not, you're We'd be like hanging out at your apartment, like <laughs> playing video games, and I'd be like, you'd just be like, nerd. Can we can we do something? Like, <laughs> um, I don't blame you. <laughs> uh, but like, and I understand. Like, there's certain things that yeah, I am nerdy about. Like, it's fine. But yeah, like it was. Everyone was fun. Scheduling is always an issue. I've been saying, and I've learned this over the last couple of weeks of talking to people. Having a consistent schedule. Or having a con- uh, a compatible schedule yeah. is job one of a sketch team now. Like, <laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't matter if you're funny anymore. <laughs> like, as long as you can prepare at the same time together, that's you know step Literally one. Literally a hundred monkeys with a typewriter. Right yeah, there. it's the easy. We'll, it, we'll get a good one. It's the hardest part of being a sketch comedy team anymore. Yeah, like, is this, that is a hundred percent truth, man. I had I, yeah. Because even we, I mean, we had a night of the week. And we would still get like pulled in different directions. I mean, like, but also, it would help that there were twenty million people in Judah Range. So, well, there's only like eight. Yeah, or but that's still like whatever. enough people that's to lot. cover bases because everybody's yeah. writing stuff and everybody's collaborating together. And I think, like, when I think about it, I think every single one of us collaborated with each other, or at least punch ups on a sketch. Right. That, like, I don't think there was ever like a real divide. Yeah. Of camps, like there wasn't like. You know, three of you are always together, five of, you know, yeah. like, it was never that. Like, there were certain things that uh, Matt J and, and Chris Coletta lived close enough to each other yeah. that, they, that they did stuff together. And, you know, McGrail might have been in that pocket. But, like, we were all, like, there was never, like, animosity about that either. Leveraging cloud-based technology to uh, yeah, like, <laughs> sketch it. Yeah. It's perfectly, you know, next generation technology. Yeah. We were in the cloud before, like, any other group. <laughs> We're using Google Wave. Well, to, when uh, I a couple years, a couple weeks ago, when I talked to Chris McGrail, I had to find his sketch. Yeah. And I went through our old Facebook group of yeah. like, yeah. I was like, "Hey, Chris, this is what we're doing." He's like, "Oh, I forgot about this." Okay, like, all right, good. Like, I had to dig deep. Like, I seriously had to jump into Google Drive, and, I'm and then sure, I put in all your names. I was about to say, I'm sure there's yeah. still a Google folder of Judah Range somewhere out there. Like, there's a list of that Devon and I wrote of just dumb names. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was gonna bring them like that. Nah, like people <laughs> names, like we would just come up with stupid character names okay. all the time. And I remember like reading them to you guys, and you guys like it's really dumb. <laughs> um, so we work a lot. We you know we do a couple shows at Fit. We do all we almost every theme shows. I know there was a Camp Woods Plus that yeah. there was a little drama in the group, but it just happens when like, you're just a bunch of bohunks. Yeah, uh, all getting your ideas through, which you know we might have kicked somebody out it's or like. He quit. If I think I, I think we were all burned out by that time too, from like nine months of constantly writing. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, I really don't. I don't know if I was like as prolific or as I wrote as much as I did in that period. Like, I feel like I was constantly always having things. Coletta was always, always had new stuff. McGrail always had this weird idea that he would throw out and eventually come back with this like gold piece of. Oh, and then this awesomeness. is in addition to having a, a regular tech guy, have a regular director because Joe Gates was awesome. Yeah, mm. he was really good at like hurting the cats. But even then, like yeah. he he got burnt out before all of us and left halfway yeah. through or so. Like, but he made you know I remember getting some really good feedback from a couple of our shows and we're like, mm-hmm. oh, you guys are like actual actors in addition to doing silly goofers, like, which no one ever said to me. <laughs> but <laughs> that's it, was, it literally was like one of the best notes, like one of the best compliments. He's like, every single one of you guys, like. Just like gets really into your characters. Like, I don't oh, entirely feel that's true about me. <laughs> I don't know, man. You walked out in an adult diaper. I was that. never in an adult diaper. It was only it, was, you, it would ever be boxers. It was, it was boxers, never yeah, yeah. yeah. But that was like 
that Mount Rushmore <laughs> sketch was one of the funniest beats. Yeah, I can just remember like the sketch before that. I'm just like backstage, just spraying myself, like spritzing <laughs> myself with water, so I appear wet like every day, and I'm getting cold. I'm just like, and it's just like three minutes of just spritzing, spritz, 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 <laughs> like just wondering what I'm doing in my life. Um, yeah, it's it's like working in a group dynamic. There's a lot of personalities and egos and levels of confidence and expectations and it's just like in the professional world you have to learn like you have to learn how to be empath empathetic to people mm -hmm. but then also give not only take criticism but also learn how to give it and yeah. i'm not like you know like i'm not like saying like i'm the best or whatever at doing that but it's just definitely my takeaway because oh i'm definitely not the best at everything. doing it yeah like it really helped me when i transitioned from like doing sketch comedy to like producing content for wrestling companies yeah. afterwards too uh, just working with a whole bunch of personalities and at the end of the day there's like this wasn't like a Judah Range TV show my my goal was to have as much fun as possible mm -hmm. you know and uh, and uh, sometimes like we we had some, like I, I think of like the really funny stuff that ca that came from that you know so yeah uh, so Judah Range ends uh you guys do your final show at Sketchfest without me, where Devon, where I hear Devon just cooks breakfast. Yeah. Off to the side. Which was used for like a final gag at the very. I think it was just yeah, used as like, a prop in the final sketch or something like and that. And I think, um, I know you guys did one of my sketches, like one of the ones I wrote. I think you took my role, the the yeah. retweet, the yeah, the I think I just, yeah, 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 like we just. Yeah, perfectly fine. I wasn't there. I wasn't going to do it. We told you we were going to do it. I know. <laughs> I, I appreciate that I still had representation in that yeah, last yeah. show, either, even though I think I was up in like New Hampshire with my friends. Um, so after Judah Range, you transition to pro wrestling. Yeah. Uh, which was one of the things that we shared in our Judah Range time, because we, we were both fans of this one local group yeah. in Philadelphia, Chikara. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had completely sunk down the rabbit hole of their storytelling where like, like I dug deep because Chikara is a very different company uh, than, you know, WWE or whatever else is out there. Cause like it's a living comic book. There's yeah. years of storytelling that don't get paid off until like years later. Yeah. And that's pretty much what I was brought in for like to close the loop on like one of the bigger arcs that they did. And it was crazy. Like, um, the I mean the first show that I went to just just trying it out. There was an invasion of this German faction. I think you were at that show. Yeah, where, yeah, yeah. Like I don't think you were you know official capacity like, well, yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but like this German faction, and that's a whole year and a half of story and like just bizarreness. And then you tell me, wait until you see this. <laughs> and then there's another invasion. Another invasion of characters that were kicked out of the school and like this whole another storyline of another like bad guy group coming in and but it was like, also like really subversive of how we do that because that's one of the most common wrestling tropes yeah it, like basically it was uh i'm friends with tim donst uh i'm friends with bryce from doing comedy in philly <laughs> and they recommended me to the owner mike who's like the main writer too mm -hmm. and he just had this like vision and kind of laid it out for me and he said how do i put this all together and he knew that i was doing a lot of co like sketch comedy and like there were narrative arcs and stuff like that to some of the video stuff that we had done and he just tasked me with one of the biggest secrets i had to keep for like two years yeah like, so, like it was a uh, culminated into a web series that was done super guerrilla style zero negative budget uh, a lot of judo range guys well, were part right, of that too let's start with there okay be first off there's a part of me that's annoyed that i was never asked to be I had to, and you know that was like I had to like not tell you. Like I was like, man, I like, can't I, tell. Josh I knew about I was this. being protected. Yeah, like, yeah, like I wanted you to enjoy what was happening. All right, so <laughs> the, the story um, of your involvement, Chikara runs a show at the Trocadero in Chinatown. Yeah, there's this overarching, overarching story of the corporate bosses, played by Brian Craig, being pl played by Brian Craig, <laughs> yeah. which I really hope I get to break kayfabe with him and talk about this with him. <laughs> Uh, being unhappy with the wrestling product because they are they have caught on to some kind of corporate uh, training, conspiracy training, training mercenaries for uh, yeah yeah um, so they sh so Brian Craig as this character Wink Vavasor 
calls out this wave of security guards. Those are all my friends. One of which was Chris Coletta, and I noticed him right away. I was like, hey, hey. I just wanted to be like, hey, Chris. But I didn't, because, you know, you got to keep. And they shut down the show. Yeah. They kick everybody out of the Trocadero. Yep. Some dude breaks the front door. Which was legit, and we which got was real legit, scared. Yeah. And the dude had to pay for it. Yep. He was actually brought back into the building to get a, you know, Which ID was and everything. Because the security guard, our fake security guards, were the ones who yanked, like grabbed him by the collar and threw him into the building. Uh, Which was one of the <laughs> best things ever because the fans were like, oh, wait, they're actually a real security team. And the, the <laughs> cool thing, like, one of the cool things is uh, Bryce Ernsworth, who is the referee of this company, leaves crying. Yeah. Carrying just a box of his stuff, like yeah. as if he had been fired and, and he was running away, basically. I think you were milling around the front because you were also playing an on screen role. I was one of the hosts. You were yeah. one of the hosts. Um, my I, real life roommate at the time, they were both like security guys. I, I remember seeing those and, guys. Uh, he's like yelling at me, and I, and I whispered to him, Punch me in the face as hard as you can. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, What? I said, Just punch me in the face. And he just potatoed me across the eye. And, and, it, and he did. Like, it cracked. It made it awesome. And <laughs> you should have been like, by the way, I'm going to be late with rent because of that. Like. <laughs> no, it was awesome because people were like, oh, wait, I think these guys are legit. Yeah. At that point, um, yeah. So there, there's a part of me. So I'm watching all this unfold, and yeah. it's this really surreal, and it's this, like, it's one of the coolest moments I've ever seen. Like, oh, thanks, even, even knowing, you know, I know him, I know him, I know him, I know him. Like, yeah. But it was still a really surreal moment as a pro wrestling, as a Chikara fan. As I don't have anything. Yeah, sorry. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. um. Um, as a as a as a Chikara fan, and then this goes into your producing, creating this video content. Yeah, I had already been, it, and that's the whole thing is that like a year prior, right. We had already started working on it, and it's because I was producing the comedy videos that we were doing for Chikara, mm-hmm. and like. Astute fans uh, can notice there's like little seeds hidden in like all those videos. Yeah, uh, which uh, eventually killed my my workplace laptop editing all those together. But like it, so so Chikar goes out of business. Yeah. in June of fourteen. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, something like that. That's about right. And then all these videos start traipsing in of various characters. You see where they are now since yeah. Chikar is yeah. no longer a thing. Um, and it's called Ashes. Yep. So you have all these little shorts that are, are weekly or every other week. or Yeah, we shot them like as much as we could in a block. Uh, and I have to uh, thank Andre Bennett and Chris Coletta and Maureen Costello. And, yeah, you, you know, had a little crew Jimmy of people. Yeah. Like, so many people worked on like, the, the working. Again, so, never, so again, never asking me to help. Like, it's fine. So, let's, so all this <laughs> stuff, like you can find this on their own podcast, but... The actual process of that was one of the most insane things because I was also working like a nine to five job and in a relationship and everything, yeah. which all went to hell because of this pro- project, which I'm very, you know, like whatever it's, it's a, but uh, the, the, the workflow was such as I would get barely a, a screenplay from the head guy mm-hmm. and then just like, Hey, I just want to have these types of shots and these types. Of, so it was very much like how, like as a sketch writer, your initial kind of ideas would come together. Mm-hmm. And then I would have to fill in the blanks and I would work with the cast. And then I would write something that's like kind of like a screenplay. Yeah. And then a lot of times Andre or Maureen or Jimmy or Coletti and I would be like scribbling, blocking shots on like a piece of paper while I was driving to a location at like six in the morning. And then you honestly have like one or two takes because of budgetary reasons and also because of the working, like the way that wrestling guys work, yeah. uh, which again, like, best dudes to work with because they would all a lot of times it'd just be one and done boom you're out yeah uh, they would just nail it on the first try there was like a lot of motion and uh uh directing you know like my experience directing sketch comedy and stuff like that uh really came to play because a lot of times it was just prepping them ahead of time yeah you'd have a lot of and a lot of times these guys had no idea what was going on either they're just like wait what's happening and then I'd have to like sit down with like Spielberg talk to them for a little bit in another room <laughs> and then get them to do like some of the best lines ever. <laughs> yeah. So, and then like, all right, so these little videos are released, you know, week yeah. by week, month by month. And then the story of it becomes Chikara's coming back. Yeah. And you guys create, a, there's a, a full movie. Like, there's a full. 
Was Each, it 70, 80 minutes? It's like 80 minutes long. Like, it's a full thing. Needed a couple more months in the, in the oven, in my opinion. <laughs> it was, again, budget, budget, and at that point, the project was kind of out of my hands. The, my, my big criticism is that there's a couple sound issues. Like, that, that's my major, yeah. but, yeah. like... Yeah, no, yeah. yeah I'm, <laughs> I, I, uh, this is for a whole other podcast. But, there, uh, there's, a, yeah. there's a little dubbing, I think, that... That yeah. <laughs> that's this, a little this wonky. This not picking up how hard my eyes are rolling. <laughs> um, I'm really proud of the end result because, like, it got panned by the wrestling community, uh, rightly so, because it honestly needed like another three, four months and a couple uh, tens of thousands of dollars in post production yeah. for it to be the way it needed to be. But when you think about, it, it was literally like towards the last few months, it was like Andre and myself in my car in the middle of winter, scrambling to get stuff done, and then uh, the editor who came in last second like very very last second to kind of like salvage everything for the movie cut mm-hmm. um did a did an amazing job it's 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 a uh, see like and i don't really remember like the reaction to everything about it like you yeah, know people hated you, it. you say it was critically panned <laughs> and stuff but like mike himself hated it for a while so. like my my one issue is there's like two scenes where audio is very clearly dubbed and yeah like and that's you know that's that's gonna happen like it just it just feels weird to me for those like you know ten minutes that's on stage, but it's so completely different. It's a different presentation of what pro wrestling and look at it can be. And now it changed. Like, it honestly it changed like how other people because Lucha Underground all of a sudden started looking like that. Yeah. TNA started shooting stuff like that. I I had casual social meetings with people who like worked in productions for some other companies. Mm-hmm. Where, oh hey, I wanted to meet you. Wow. And one of the biggest things was when uh. Uh, I think it was Maureen and myself shot a Chikara like jokey promo where it was like it was like speed dating with the characters, and then the following season there was a Royal Rumble promo which was the same exact thing. Okay, yeah. right, because I I completely forgot about you, I mean you mentioned them the jokey promos like there's like all these like little like comedy shorts featuring the Chikara characters. Yeah, that was all me and Coletta. Uh, <laughs> what was it? It was Dinner with the Hatfields, uh-huh. where they were just you know these one little joke blackout sketch kind yeah. of things. Where the one I remember is there's a reference to Dirty Round Scoundrels because uh, what was he a hockey player in that? He was a boxer. It was it was Kevin Condren right. as a boxer, and he had a uh, he had a cork on his fork, and yeah. I and I laughed at that. I was like, "Yay, cork on the fork!" Like we did one with Juan Francisco, which uh, my laptop died and I lost everything as I was editing it, <laughs> and it was he ended up uh, taking it and filming it with one of his friends, which I'm so glad they finally got it out because it's so good. But it's him interviewing himself. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that. It's really good. It's called like one on one. It's it's really really good. But he's one of my favorite people uh, to work with. He's um, time he's so much. what? So you're you're tasked to create these comedy shorts yeah. for a pro wrestling company. Like, how is that any different than? Like, how is that a different experience than all your other sketch comedy experience prior to that? It's easier. Honestly, it's easier because the characters are already established. So it's easy, like you don't have to waste time setting up uh, exposition of like who this person is. A lot of my early sketches, and it's like a brand new sketch writer's kind of thing, is that they waste pages and pages being like, I'm upset about this, and this is what I do. It's like, no, dude, like cop and B, it's like boom, boom, boom. The first half half page is always like setting up who these people are. and It's like, no, dude, that's a cop, that's a B, that's a police chief. Yeah. Like, this is a motorcyclist, this is a... There's archetypes for a reason, there's costumes for a reason. So these guys already have these like well-defined characters, and it's like super easy. So the dating, so the dating game one, is great because it's one of my favorite examples because it's just taking the essence of these characters and putting them in, putting them in a weird situation where they're not fighting and they're not confrontational. Right. So it's like, how would this person who's just this smarmy shit heel like try to hit on, like present himself at a speed dating session in the basement of a taco joint? Mm. You know? <laughs> Again, it's, and it's yeah. another subversion of what you expect from pro wrestling, yeah. like. Uh, you know, to varying degrees of success and varying people's enjoyment online because wrestling fans can be picky and annoying. They're the best. <laughs> can be picky and annoying. <laughs> no, I honestly do. Like, like I love... Uh, so I was at WrestleMania for the past few years uh, mm-hmm. working for the WWN, like, kind of super show that they do. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting there hawking my monster, my rubber monster suit, t-shirts and stuff like that and three dudes just come up to me out of nowhere and they're like hey are you billy and i'm like yeah hey how you doing and they just talked to, I, I almost started crying man because like they were talking to me about this project and the, there's, there's two friends telling their one friend they're like this is the guy who 
was like behind the camera and like kind of like doing everything. And I'm like, how did you guys know that? And they're like, they're like, yeah, like, and I was like, ah, you're like, you're the first random people that I don't know that I've ever like. Well, like on, on yeah. one hand, you know, when we're all social media, there's, you can find stuff like. Yeah, but like it's my own thing. I f- focus on the negative. You know, but it's a uh, yeah. like I can I can go through your Facebook page and find out who everyone, like, everyone <laughs> is. I try to really keep it tight, but I don't care anymore. Like here's my MVP page. Hire me for stuff. Um, <laughs> but you also worked with another wrestling group. Worked work. I am still I am work. Still okay. and I'm really excited to talk about that. Right. All right. Now. Uh, yeah. Another so, company. The first time I experienced, it, I didn't get it. I, like <laughs> th- there was enough negatives to about it that. I kind of turned off for a bit, but Kaiju Big Battle. Yes, that's that's where I'm currently. I'm one of the writers and producers of that, um, and I'm really excited to actually talk about what that is. So once I was done with Chikara, like there was really once that arc was done, I was pretty much like, okay, we cool, you know. Like, and then I was like, yeah, okay, time to move on. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the former ring announcer of Chikara was like, hey, you should really work with Big Battle because he was a ring announcer there, also. And then he moved to the West Coast and is like doing his thing out there. But then. Um, I reached out to the owners who I already knew. Yeah. I've known them for more than a decade. Yeah, they would have been around. They yeah. would have been. Yeah, like it was like the same. You know, it's, it, we all moved in like the same group. And, and I was like, hey, like, let me do this because you're just running, kind of doing the same thing, and it's still sticking with the wrestling thing. And I went and gathered up all my friends from UCB, and we kind of like just brought new life into it. Like, there's the last three years or so, I've been really kind of like rebuilding it mm-hmm. like i have a whole there's a whole new group of people um and we got a lot of the original people back okay. like a lot of the original like the puppet builders and stuff like that and and uh since i've been writing it it's more like a sketch comedy show that happens to have wrestling in it which i'm right. very familiar with right um and i've been able to put in some really fun guest stars who a lot of people don't know are under those masks because they get to do stuff like um yeah because you're booking the I, I assume that a bunch of the characters a bunch of the the costume performers, the the big giant monsters, because yeah. I, I don't think we've mentioned that that Kaiju Big Battle <laughs> is a wrestling promotion that is modeled off of the Japanese monster movies. Yeah. So they're pro wrestlers in these giant foam rubber monster suits. If if Chikara is like comic, as like the Avengers or Spider Man come to life in a wrestling ring, Kaiju Big Battle is absolutely the Power Rangers and Godzilla. Yeah. In a in a wrestling ring, and I've been traveling pretty extensively with them for the. The past two years, um, and I guess I can talk about this now. Uh, we are we had a soft launch uh, at E3 uh, this past year for on Twitch, okay. um, uh, and I'm producing for Twitch is announcing like a new new media platform, and okay. we're developing programming for them. Um, we're going to be doing TwitchCon in, in like October, and uh, we've been like shooting for like a past year or so. So Kaiju is going to be on Twitch. Yeah, and not just as like oh here's our matches, but it's like actual like like an actual show no yeah, yeah. A continuing series now yeah yeah like if you go back and you watch the devolver e3 uh conference pre-e3 conference like you can kind of see the seeds of that because yeah. we had dr cube essentially like hosting the like e3 twitch's e3 show and uh one of the biggest bumps i didn't sleep for 24 hours because i wanted to see i just was glued to watching the metrics and i hate that this is like a measure of like how how good comedy is now but uh, at one point, I think it was like 138 million unique people watching it. Uh, it never dipped below like 50,000 at one time. Wow. And the craziest was PewDiePie, everyone's favorite uh, yeah. fascist YouTuber. At one point in the middle of the night in Sweden was like, what the hell am I watching? Put up the link to it and it just shot right up. And it was Unicorn Party. Influencers. Yeah, yeah. Unicorn Party fighting a giant guar looking guy in Toronto. Uh, <laughs> uh, and people are, and one of the best like things was just someone just wrote, "I'm deleting, tw- I'm uninstalling Twitch." Because <laughs> all right, so my first experience with Kaiju, uh, Kaiju did a the pre-show at some other wrestling event. I want to say Dragon Gate USA. Yeah, I think so. That was way before. I was uh, and and this was you know, 2010, 11. Like it was years ago. Yeah. And my my like it was weird, and like I understand you know the the idea of it and everything. Uh, but one of the things was the ring announcer was doing color commentary the yeah. entire time, which was a little annoying to me. It's the only way you can tell a story though with right. these characters. So because yeah, there's yeah. no, it's, it's a live product. I understand. I totally understand. The other, the other funny thing was that, uh, wrestling fans would know, uh, that Pennsylvania has a state athletic commission. Yeah. 
And the head of that, or the representative of that, was there, and he kept trying to give the prop buildings to people in the audience. No. And the kaiju people would be like, I need that back. You, We're you, not done wait, with this there's yet. There's a reason why we keep this, because it's literally cushion our falls. Like, when I'm dressed like a giant hamburger and I'm doing a backflip, like, that keeps me like, from dying. It, so just, it just made me laugh so much that Frank Tennant just kept going around just stealing <laughs> buildings and giving them to children. And then a kaiju guy would come back and steal the building back and yeah, put yeah. it back. Like, that, like, that made me the chuckle show. the entire night. Yeah, it's like, right. after the show, you can keep all of our garbage. Yeah, but give us, show, give us 30 minutes with it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so tell us some of the, about some of the characters of Kaiju. Oh, man. Okay, so Kaiju, the main villain of, of uh, Kaiju Big Battle is a villainous Dr. Cube who is an immortal mad scientist whose, like, horribly scarred visage, visage is protected by this giant cube. Yeah. Uh, and he's constantly has a frowny face. Uh, up until recently, there was an infinite amount of Dr. Cubes that were that showed up through a Terran dimensional portal. Okay. And they all killed each other off at last year's WrestleMania, or this past year's WrestleMania. Um, and a so, big so now there's just one there's singular just three. three. Yeah. There's three, okay. There's three. Each one's denoting a different region where Kaiju Big Battle runs their shows. Got, right, I forgot about that. Yeah, and also it's a cube. We originally <laughs> wanted to do six. Or we wanted to do, you know, we wanted to do uh, well, how many sides are in a cube? Six. Six sides, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it was, but then it was like, eh, let's just do three. Um, so Dr. Cube has a whole bunch of his like uh, biological experiments, and some of them are mechanical mm -hmm. too, and they just terrorize people, and they're like, Hidden plants and corporations, and that's how he gets funding for blah blah blah. blah. There's the heroes team, uh, which are the heroes, the good guys. There's American Beetle. That, that's the one I remember. Yeah, American he's Beetle. A jingoistic, he's a he's a jingoistic beetle who of a of a Mexican heritage, who uh, loves America and. Uh, okay. <laughs> just try to, so here's here's the funniest thing. It's it's a the character is supposed to be a uh, uh, American born or a Mexican born American who's played by an Australian. And and his voice is done by a Puerto Rican. So, <laughs> um, I, that's one thing I did when I when I started writing too is that I wanted like I was like more characters should talk. Um, so we have like a representative from each right. faction because there's a couple different factions. Um, some other notable heroes are Power Ranger who's like a fairy princess and also a Power Ranger. Mm -hmm. uh, two of our newest heroes are Bear Ranger and the Burger Bear, um, who Bear Ranger looks like the Yellow Ranger except he's a, a bear cub. And I'm, I'm assuming that burger is that, burger that giant, is a giant hamburger that you mentioned flipping in. Yeah, yeah, with like bare legs and bare arms. I mean, you weren't in it. No, like. not at all. But I just happened to disappear. <laughs> and then there's also this other one who's supposed to be an old, an over the hill rock and roller named uh, Metal Wing Black. Totally not me, also. <laughs> Does all TJ Perkins moves. <laughs> and, then, um, and then there's like uh, Steam Powered Tentacle Boulder, who used to be your hero, now he's a rogue. And he's just, he's a exactly what his name sounds like. Uh, there's the sea... Oh, no, they're no longer the sea amigos. They're gone. They're, uh, they're now called the Sea World Order because they ha now have a big Godzilla purple monster. You haven't seen yet named uh, Squilla. I haven't seen a lot of, yeah. of kaiju the recently. The Iron Brothers, so. who kind of look like they're from like a Judge Dredd comic book, and then the, the actual secret is that there's just a whole bunch of parts, and no matter how you put them together, like that's one of the Iron Brothers. <laughs> so, okay. Um, yeah, so there's a huge cast of characters. They're all giant foam monsters. Uh, been able to travel a lot with it, and and it's kind of funny. You mentioned that there's like three regional. Yeah. So it's northeast, uh, south Florida, Texas. Oh, okay, Florida, and then Florida, and then kind of in Canada. Oh, can okay. Yeah. It didn't go. I thought I thought you guys were going south, like Texas. Like, um, we'd love to. Like, there's enough people. It's yeah. literally just like logistics because yeah. at the end of the day, it's it's a storage locker full of rubber suits and like ten of us. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot. Get I, all that stuff there. That's where a lot of the planning I learned from sketch comedy comes into comes into uh, play. Getting getting a, a ring somewhere is easy because yeah, there's wrestling ring, rings everywhere. But getting a ring, getting people into the suits is super easy, and and I think it's like, as far as working with performers, everybody's really good to like. They're really happy to do yeah, it. Yeah, because they're yeah. not they're not they're not portraying their normal wrestling selves. Yeah. So it doesn't matter, like. There's a regular guy. There's, who, I mean, there's no like, they don't have to worry about winning that match or their next show, like yeah. you know, trying to build their you know whatever momentum or thing. Like, they can just be this, you know, giant cheeseburger for a night and yep. just hang out. Like, I have to say, eighty percent of the two hundred five live uh, roster on WWE uh, was part of Kaiju Big Battle. <laughs> like, it was really funny because when they all got signed, we were like, well, <laughs> <laughs> we just lost these people. Like, yeah, but it's but it's really funny, like just. 
just being like, hey, look, there's a giant can of soup fighting a waffle. Yeah. And now they're battling over a belt <laughs> on the WWE Network. <laughs> but one of my favorite guys to work with, he, uh, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a professional wrestler. He like, looks like a professional. He's very kind of like that, super serious. Mm-hmm. Except when he, as soon as he puts on a, a costume, like his, what they say, work rate, just a hundred times. Just a completely different because, style, like, completely yeah, different. He goes all out, and it's just, and it's just like, dude, why don't you just work like that all the time? How like, is how is it to take the bumps in the suit? Like, is it? You don't feel anything. I was about to say it, it has to. F- well, okay, when you're wearing a giant can of soup, uh, or a giant burger, or a giant waffle, you don't feel anything. There's padding, you know. There's when extra padding to it. There's a just a red and blue Power Ranger helmet, and then someone just decides to give you a, a I'm, exploder. I'm sure that's not a yeah, enjoyable. Yeah, that's like not the best thing in the world. And I'm not have like, a hard a thing around your head. By any means. So. Like, <laughs> like, um. All right, so <laughs> we talked. About, like, I don't know like, how to like wrap this up now. <laughs> um. All right, so normal pattern questions at the end. Uh, what's something that you've learned from comedy that you'd pass on to somebody, either ex- existential or real life le- lessons, or something practical about writing process? Be empathetic with your uh, collaborators. Uh, listen, put your ego aside for, and this is like the hardest, it was like the hardest thing for me to learn, is like, put your ego aside um, and just let everybody talk, but at the same time, stand up for, stand up for your shit, as they say, yeah. you know? Like, if you feel like something is, is, there's a sketch that I wanted to do for the longest time, and I remember, it was that, the jog off, did you ever see that? I don't remember. I did it at I did it at Dan Petrano's show, and it was like exactly the way I wanted. It played exactly the way I wanted it to. Okay. Like, because I would write these like huge set pieces, and and, and I think at the time, like, my friends with Bearhook, they just like were like, I don't get it. Right. Like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to. I don't want to cause a stir. I'm like, the joke is that all of a sudden, 30 people co- like a marathon comes running through the venue. Like that's mm-hmm. like you don't expect that, and that's a lot of that whole like Letterman type stuff that I grew up watching. But yeah, like, understand if people are like, hey, it's just not possible to do this bit it's not the end of the world for that maybe you, it needs to go through a couple more revisions always constantly be rewriting your stuff like nothing's like a hit out of the gate i think i think yeah. the rewriting thing is big because i don't think we rewrote enough yeah in the judo range days i agree i think i, I think, think that was one our, our one big failure we were always on a time crunch or too. one of our big failures yeah we were just too buff yeah I guess <laughs> it was. um but yeah like it's always you, your work is just be you know like nothing's don't ever think anything's good enough mm-hmm. because because you're not gonna get better you're not gonna evolve as a writer um, but really like the big thing for me is just be really empathetic towards all the people that you're working with understand where they're coming from set the expectation for who you are as a performer if you want to just do a performer role that's cool if you want to be a writer. Right. Um, don't stretch just don't stretch yourself too thin. That was the big thing. Uh, you know, it's really awesome to get involved with the community, especially what's but like, like there's really only so many hours in a day. There's yeah. like you, you can bring yourself out. Sometimes. Real life comedy relationships, like yeah. you need to yeah that that stupid what is that that stupid jar golf ball thing like oh you can put the sand in yeah. here you can put the water in yeah, here yeah that yeah. one just be a bigger jar yeah come on no, <laughs> just get a bigger jar hey and then uh, why, you don't do much sketch comedy like in the judicial on stage sense anymore you, it's mostly in the, the, the pro wrestling new kaiju media, yeah. new media platforms yeah why do you do it uh, yo them hits <laughs> I'm making the money I'm making the money thing on my hand your percentage of a your percentage of a penny for every 10,000 yeah. <laughs> views on YouTube. It's good, good internet bucks that I get. Now, um, I actually, I like working in a, in a video in that medium um, because, again, like, I write crazy set pieces that are just, like, how the heck are, I think the solution we did for this was I had McGrail wear a yellow and black shirt, and then they ended up, like, sitting on Joe Moore's lap <laughs> when we did Cop and B at SketchUp. Okay. Um, but it's, it just allows me to do a whole lot more with the type of writing I want to yeah. do. Um, and I just, I like, I like being able to go back and like see it again. Mm. Uh, but at the same time with a live performance, like a kaiju show, the cool thing about that is that it's like literally just in the moment. And, yeah. you, and, and the whole thing that that thrives on, off of is I just saw a can of soup and a waffle and a giant burger fight a tree, a scab, and a giant piece of asparagus. Like... 
so weird. Yeah. <laughs> so weird. You'll never see it anywhere else. It'll yeah. Make... Oh, there have been I'm, I'm, there, many I'm sure. I'm sure <laughs> yeah. other people try. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Ian. Um, yeah, thanks, Josh. <laughs> really appreciate it. Yeah. Kaiju Big Battle is heading to Brooklyn, New York on October 8th, but according to Ticketfly, it's already sold out, so too late for you guys. And then Kaiju is heading to Somerville, Massachusetts on November 18th. You can head to kaiju.com, that's K-A-I-J-U.com for more information. And like I mentioned up top, I posted a bunch of the videos that we talk about at myfirstsketch.com. Don't forget, sync or sketch at the Philly Improv Theater this Thursday, October 5th at 9 p.m. And then Dirtiest Sketch in Philadelphia on October 20th, 10 p.m. at the Playground at the Adrian. My first sketch is a Philly Sketch Fest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com or on Twitter at phlsketchfest. Also, for more information about comedy in Philly, head to watercooler.com. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. As always, like my first sketch on Facebook. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy. Especially Thursday night at 9 p.m. It's fit. Sink or sketch. <laughs>